This week on Invasion of the Podcast, DC fanboys demand the bad movie they didn't see versus the bad movie they did see. We learn the secrets to self-publishing comic books from millionaire Steve King. And we get into the probably the worst game we've ever made. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, and to my left is millionaire Steve King. Hello, everyone. Yeah, he's my secret special guest on the show tonight, uh, so you guys are welcome. I don't know. <laughs> If you were expecting the other Stephen King, who's a millionaire, uh, I'm sorry to disappoint. Yeah, like that's the one, that's the only thing that divides you two is just the millionaire <laughs> thing. Everything else is exactly the same. Uh, yeah, so uh, stay tuned for the worst game we've ever made. Uh, that that sounds like we're just like, oh no, it's going to be great. Like no, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Courtesy uh, of me, it's the worst game I've ever come up with. Reminds me of Wayne's World whenever they go to um, was, what's the name of that the club? It's not the Foundry. It's the um, Gasworks. Gasworks. And they go talk to the, the doorman. The who's shitty Beatles. Beatles. It's like, yeah, who's playing tonight? Uh, was it something Shitty Beatles and Crucial Taunt? I've heard that. Are they like? Was it? I heard they're not a good band. No, is it just not a clever name? He's like, <laughs> they suck. So yeah. Uh, oddly enough, I uh, I had hidden somewhere in the first issue of Siren Slasher on one of the like band things that's in Julie's apartment. I believe uh, the uh, Shitty Beatles. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, she doesn't listen to them often because they suck, but you, know, <laughs> right. guy, you still got to represent. So, uh, yeah, another uh, another melty night here in Cleveland. Uh, just you know, I don't know what it, it feels like. The moment the sun goes down, that's when the house is like, you know, all that heat has been. Nope, we're just gonna let it all out. So I'm like, cool. Guess I'm just gonna sweat now. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm one of those people who really hates the heat. And so when people are like, yeah, but you know, it's gonna snow and it's gonna be cold. Would you rather have that? I gotta be honest, kind of. Like, I just I hate the heat. I'm not saying that I want it to be cold and rainy and wet all the time, but, like, just, you know, it's going to be, like, 112 with the heat index this weekend. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're giving me that or, you know, a cold day, yeah, I'll take the cold day. See, I, as much as I'm suffering now, I'll still take this over, like, cold, because, like, I don't have to go outside and be like, man, there's so much humidity to take out of the driveway. Oh, man, it's so humid. I hope I could drive okay. Like, uh, <laughs> I hope my car doesn't slide off the road due to humidity. You know, I can usually, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I so as much as this isn't great right now, I just, the, the only reason this is, this is not great right now is, A, I don't have central air in my house, and B, I can't turn a fan on while we're recording because I respect people's ears too much and not enough to not have fireworks going off all the time in the background or the random ice cream truck assail us or an emergency vehicle or audibly opening beers yeah well that yeah um that's i always try to be quiet about yeah, I try to be when quiet i listen too. you always hear that in yeah. the background yeah um so i mean i try like to to minimize but you know we being in this room with, with window closed during these months would just be even worse so sorry for any weird noises like that but i could not have a fan run because it would just be 
that would, I'd, it would, I would be annoyed, you know, mm. and I wouldn't want that. So, yeah. That whole so, time, yeah. thankfully, I don't audibly sweat, at least to my knowledge. Like, I'm going to just pause right now. You heard it just coming out of me. So, all right. Um, enough the, enough gross I talk. Yeah. I think that should be the title of the episode. Is, uh, <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. Just pause for sweating? <laughs> no, uh, just uh, you can you, audibly hear Paul sweat. Audibly hear Paul sweat, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what was the uh, the brand name? Or the, what was the name of the brand of deodorant um, that was like never let them see you sweat? What was that? Was that degree? Yeah, it's degree. I, I clearly I don't use degree. So yeah. <laughs> um, so you'll also notice, Stephen. This is another aside uh, that I am clean shaven right you now. You are. Yeah. So I made a, a reference on Facebook a couple of days ago. I was like, "How can all you guys with facial hair do it? Do you just like being annoyed and itchy all the time?" And so then that started this whole thing where people just assumed that I was growing like a beard or something. And I'm like, "No, I just didn't shave for a bit. It wasn't yeah. like I and." I woke up on Monday and realized that I was running late, so I couldn't shave. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like I was like, you know, I'm gonna let the, I'm gonna ride this out. But like, I got a lot of pushback from people with facial hair because they're all like, just just you know, suffer through it; it'll get better. Like, what? That's not an incentive for me to keep growing hair out. Is to be like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's annoying. It won't be annoying later, but no, you'll be annoying now. Like, and then what's the benefit? I don't know. What, Steve, you have a goatee. What's the benefit? Uh, I just like the way it looks. I mean, that's the only reason that you have a beard, <laughs> I would think. Complete There's package, no... yeah. Well, like, my brother's got, like, a ZZ Top beard, and, like, he lives in Texas. So I'm like, you've got to be Home miserable ZZ with Top. that thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I I could see in the winter saying, like, oh, it keeps my face warm. I get that. Um, but for me, it's just that, like, I can't grow, like, a full beard. It just looks terrible. <laughs> so the one area of my face that goes in fairly decent is my, my chin area. So I just have uh, the goatee. I don't even have the Van Dyke, which is with the mustache connected. I have just the regular old goatee, oh. which is just the chin. Um, but, uh, you know, if I could, I would grow one out. But it's more about just because I think it looks good. I don't think that – I don't like my face without the the goatee. I, I, well, I don't really like my face either way, but, like, my preference is with the goatee. This is why this is not a video podcast because we both have huge, like, body issues. We're like, no. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd rather show you a green oval with some sunglasses as our image for our podcast <laughs> as opposed to that. No, I, I just – I a couple years ago – I did the like the no shave November thing, and um, and I told told my wife I was like, if you buy a, a shaving kit, I'll grow a beard out. And so she bought the shaving kit for me for Christmas, and I got to like maybe like the sixth week, and I started trying to trim the edges of everything, and I just it's I, I got annoyed, and then I was like, nope, I'm done, and I just shaved it all again. Yeah, like friend of the show El Goro's got like this big bushy beard, and yep. uh, I could never grow something like that, and um, it would just look like you know pieces of beard on my face yeah, that would just I, I all would, be at different lengths and not uh connecting and well my problem is now like anytime I let anything grow it just it gets real white on the side so it's like clearly my age is really showing so mm. i get like that like the, i like I, I almost believe i let it grow out i would look like uh, michael j fox's father and teen wolf whenever he turns into a wolf that's <laughs> what i think would happen but like every i just i just want to mention that because it's like i you know everyone's like just tough it out and like the next morning i like well it was actually this morning i'm like I don't know. There's just that thing of like when you shave, it's like your your brain just feels better. The world feels better. Like I'm just, I was just happy to be like, just this is glorious. So I, you know, and you know, whatever. So I, I, me personally, um, I feel like that the facial hair thing is like the go-to and no offense to anybody in the room. I'm, I'm an overweight white guy. No offense to all the, any, anybody else in this room that might be an overweight white guy. Um, <laughs> uh, 
And anybody listening, I just feel like it's like it's like the go-to easy thing to do as opposed to like, I don't know, anything else with your body. It's like, I'm going to grow a beard. <laughs> and then I have to get the Dom DeLuise hat to go with it. I feel like that's like the go-to. It's like everybody, like, oh, I could have sideburns. I could have a goatee. It's like. So you're saying I'm just basically a hat away from being <laughs> Dom DeLuise. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and then the, the next hour is just going to be us uh, doing bloopers below lines. So what's going to happen uh, from uh, what is smoking? Oh, Cannonball Run. Yeah, yeah Cannonball yeah, Run yeah. Uh, one and two. Oh, okay. So anyway, uh, you guys can't hear it. I'm sweating, but it's a smooth face that I'm sweating upon. So all right, that's an, enough weird talk. Uh, I will mention my weekend was um, fraught with uh, frustration. Not computer-related this time. I did go uh, to my friend's family's... Uh, they, I've mentioned this last year. They do like a, a family picnic outing type thing and a croquet tournament. I'm adamant every year that Mary and I are going to end up in the the, the, uh, the playoffs game, like the finals game. And every year we don't. But for some weird reason, the family who runs the tournament, they're all like, a couple of them are always in the finals and one of them tends to win it. So I question the integrity of the whole sport, the whole sport of croquet. Like, didn't you come home with like a, a keg of beer last year though? Yeah, as a consolation prize, because uh, my my friend's father's like, yeah, you get a prize for being the person that drove the furthest. I'm like, that's not a real thing. So I, I would drive for free beer. Yeah. Well, so also <laughs> in, in my wife's office, I don't know if you've ever seen it because it's like there's a lot of things in there. There's a really large like wooden clock that's just sitting in there that was a prize for one of those years. And Mary saw that. She's like, I really want that. I'm like, if I win, I'm not picking that. That thing's just huge and unwieldy where we put it. So then it like was a year or so later, my friend Chad came to my summer outing that I have. And he was like, Oh, I brought you something. He brought me the goddamn <laughs> clock. So now we have that though. I never earned it. Uh, but yeah, we went this year, uh, played, played the round. It was in tandem, meaning that um, like, let's say if you and I were on a team, if you would have finished first, um, we both would have moved on to the next round. Uh, so uh, to say that we didn't finish in the top two was, would be accurate. Um, to say that Mary started off horribly, and she'd be mad at me saying this right now, where she, you've played croquet before, right? No. no. I mean, you I know the idea of I've croquet. I've hit the ball with a croquet mallet, but um, I've never actually played an official it, game. It, it, <laughs> The, the, you start off with the, like two wickets you have to get through before you get to the rest of the course. She was stuck on that for quite a while, and there was a point where I was like on the other side of the like you know of the the play field, and I was just making jokes about like it's been years since I've seen her, and I was like making like civil war letters of being like you know, dearest Mary, it's been forever since I've last seen your face. And <laughs> she was not happy about that. So long story short, to quote somebody I know, uh, I, I did not win, and uh, we didn't place. And by it was all said and done, Mary was only one wicket behind me. So she, you know, did okay, and I just stalled out. So I was frustrated. Yeah, I've never played croquet. I'm more of a jarts man. Jarts man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, croquet is like the, the greatest, like, just you could drink while just whacking at a ball with a stick. It's it's good drinking yeah, like, it, outside. I, I picture someone British playing it. Just when I hear it, and uh, well, you can wear a top hat if you want, or something a monocle. I mean, it's yeah. it's like when I picture somebody playing shuffleboard, they have to be over the age of seventy. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But so the other thing I just want to mention too is that the theme this year was Greece, as in the country, right? <laughs> and I texted Steve this while I was there. And, this is pretty great. And um, like the majority of the stuff there wasn't Greek; it was Roman or Italian. And I'm like, that's not that's not the same country. And so like. Like my, my friend's father, he dressed up in a robe and had like the little, I don't know, what is it? Um, 
the like the wreath, you know, the leaves that mm-hmm. you see, like the you know the men, the leadership. The Caesar's sled. Yeah. Caesar. That's that's what I was going to say because he walked around. And everyone's like, "Hail Caesar!" And he's like doing like the wave, and I'm like, "Caesar is a Roman emperor." <laughs> like, what's going on? And then people brought like uh, different dishes, and one of them was like like Italian something something. I'm like, that's not like if you want to make it and bring it to this this thing, it's fine. But it's not Greek. You, you know? should have like, shown up as like a fifties greaser. Well, I so what I did is uh, I, <laughs> I Mary and I like I bought those tr- lambda 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 shirts uh-huh. um, from Revenge of the Nerds because I was like, well, it's Greek, so we wore fraternity shirts from yeah. that movie, which I thought was funny, and some of the people actually got the joke, which is rare for the things I bring to this party because it's a lot older crowd and a lot of church going folks. So not that I bring anything offensive, but it's like. <laughs> You know, like, but at the same for the most part, like, uh, hey, there's the heathen Paul. Let's say hello. Well, so yeah, um, I decided that I was like, well, this is Greek themed. I'm going to bring something that's Greek themed for food. And so I made cupcakes. Uh, I made grape cupcakes. I should say yellow cake cupcakes with grape jelly in the middle and like a purple frosting and a grape on top. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, well, it's Greek. Let's celebrate the god of wine, uh, Dionysus, right? Brought it in. I made the statement about like into the god of wine. And I think three cupcakes got eaten the entire time. And Uh. I made like 18 of them or something. And I don't know if it's because people were feeling cupcakes or because this was mainly a church group. And they're like, oh, he offered that up to <laughs> to Dionysus. That's not that's not my guy. <laughs> so so yeah, I tried. I tried. Uh, I tried uh, sacrificing meat to idols, and they wouldn't have it. So that's. Uh, I tried being Greek. Something Greek. I mean, I know good Greek cupcakes, right? That's not. But I tried something in the line of. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, you had a through line. You just didn't, you know, randomly pick. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, because like I wanted to make God of War cupcakes, like actually for Aries, and make yeah. them like red with like a. Like a chocolate uh, chipotle icing or something, but I'm like, I don't think people would get that because then I would just call them Kratos cakes or something, and people would not even that would be even worse to try to explain that. But yeah, I just thought purple would be the way to go, and uh, yeah, no one ate my cupcakes. So, yeah. Anyway, that so I lost it cro- uh, croquet. Um, by the way, I picked up the red ball, red mallet because I'm like, I got to summon the god of war to do this, and he didn't. I he didn't show up. No, my soul is not forfeit. Evidently, <laughs> I, I'm not cursed to walk the earth with a croquet mallet chained to my arm, <laughs> delivering justice. So yeah, that was my hey, weekend. Hey, shitty Kratos, he's got a croquet mallet. <laughs> shitty Kratos, <laughs> Krokatos. <laughs> Look, oh no, it's Krokatos. <laughs> So, uh, all right. Anyway, that was my weekend. Was uh, losing, was getting drunk Friday night, baking cupcakes that no one ate Saturday while losing croquet. Nice. Yeah. I mean, anytime that you can bake and get drunk, uh, I guess is it's a- bad. Like I'm just like, oh, I could be in the kitchen. I'm like, well, while I'm in the kitchen, like might as well drink. <laughs> I'm like, I might as well make this fun. Like, uh- <laughs> uh, so yeah, my weekend um, was pretty relaxed. Um, uh, this is a. Uh, a news bulletin, a news, a breaking news, if you will. Oh, wait, um, I don't have a breaking news. Let's just, we'll do, we'll do this. Oop. It wasn't especially large, but it felt hard, extremely hard. Hard news break. Hard news break. Uh, we're getting a puppy. Uh, not not me oh. and Paul, but uh, myself and my wife. I honestly was excited for a second. I'm like, about time, <laughs> about time we took this relationship to the next level and get a puppy. So my uh, my wife uh, was helping my in laws find a dog, and then she went out with them two weeks ago to see the dog, 
and there was a litter of puppies, and I pretty much knew that as soon as she was going <laughs> out that we were getting a puppy. Um, but uh, they're not... They can't come home until the end of July, beginning of August. So, um, because I hadn't got, I didn't want to just not meet the puppy first. Like, I wanted to go meet the puppy. Yeah, you have to meet the puppy. And uh, the bad thing was, is it was a two hour drive there and a two hour drive back. Oh, it's, it's but way out. at least you got to see a puppy. Yeah. So, I've, I've driven a lot longer without a puppy being home. <laughs> so, I got to go meet the puppy this weekend and we picked the name. Um, my wife had given me the option to, to name the dog. Um, and uh, my first choice, which was Dogzilla, got, got thrown out. <laughs> um, so could have went with like Dogjira or something. <laughs> but uh, you know, we were trying to come up with names, and uh, my wife had been asking me over and over again, like, "What are we naming the dog? What are we naming the dog?" And uh, some of the names we liked. Um, one was Romero after George Romero. Okay. Um, another one uh, was uh, Ash because Bruce is. Bruce, and yes. he's named for many things that are named after Bruce, but one of them being Bruce Campbell. We were like, oh, Ash would be a nice compliment to that. Have you th- just think about Wayne, naming the dog Wayne, so you could have... Uh... Bruce Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my wife, one day, she's just like, what are we naming the dog? And I was like, and I don't know, for those of you who are Seinfeld fans, we'll get this joke, but I, I was like, Mulva? <laughs> and uh, she's like, we're not naming the dog Mulva. <laughs> And we started talking about Seinfeld, and some somehow the episode where George's passcode to his his ATM card is Bosco came up, and I was like, I kind of like the name Bosco. So our new puppy is going to be named Bosco. So people who, and I guess if you don't get the joke, then I, I probably don't want you to not to know my dog because you know Bosco is from Seinfeld, and I think it's one of the best comedies ever. If you yeah. haven't seen Seinfeld. I don't want to know you. I'm just kidding. But um, so you could have pivoted that into Briscoe. That, that would have been another <laughs> Briscoe County Junior. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was pretty exciting. Um, and then I watched a couple movies. Uh, one was uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called You Might Be the Killer. Uh, it's a slasher. Oh film. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to, it's like a, like a kind of a comedy. Like a yeah. Um, essentially, it starts off with a guy who calls his friend and is describing all these things that have happened at this camp that he's like. His family owns, and he's, like, leading it or whatever. And it kind of comes out, like, she's like, you might be the killer, because he's describing all the things that have happened. She's like, how did you survive these things? (laughs) Um, And it's a real fun movie. Um, I I recommend it. It was cheap. I think I got it on Vudu for, I don't know, $4.99 or something to buy, not to rent. Okay. um, And then... uh, One of the things that we constantly talk about on this show is, is that I seem to have a blind spot for the... The big, um, you know, current horror movies that are the new franchises, your Conjurings, your Sinisters, your, um, I guess it's Saw, but that's not even current anymore. Your, that's, your Curse of La Lorda. Yeah. Um, but the the Nun, the Annabelle, all that stuff. Uh, so it was like, all right, I see that Sinister's on. I hear great things about this movie. And... I watched it and it's not bad. I I like Sinister a great deal. I've seen the first one. I didn't see the second one, and that's from the guy Scott Scott Derrickson who, who directed, directed Doctor Strange. Um, and that that and Sinister's what got him Doctor Strange. Yeah, and, and that's interesting it, how they always find it's like, an amazingly like uh, competent movie in the sense that it's really well done. It's uh, tightly scripted. It's it's a good movie, but this comes into play where it's just like that's eh, not my cup of tea. Like what what frustrates me about that movie is that 
the beginning, whenever you see like the home video footage while the credits are playing and then realizing what's going on, that's messed up and, yeah. and unnerving. But then when they show the rest of these like little home movies, like these like little like, you know, eight millimeter films or whatever, right? When you see Ethan Hawke uh, like watching all of this stuff, it, the music just swells and gets really dark, and it's like these movies don't have sound. How much more terrifying would it have been just, just him? It. Like you hear him, you hear his reaction to watching these movies, and then you see like the lawnmower film that was in there, and all. Yeah. Without you don't need all that around because I think if you had stripped all that away, it would have just been destroying. Like, yeah. but then what was the name of the, the, the monster in that, the, what, the bugaboo? What was that? They call it, uh, um, <laughs> you know, I, the, the, Vincent D'Onofrio is the one who I think gives the name of it. And for the life of me, I can't remember now. The, um, the bugaboo know. though. I like it's that. something like that, right? It's something, um, it's not the Babadook. That's a different movie. Uh, which if, if you've not seen the Babadook. No, I have. Okay. Um, I'm going to look up the, what that is in Sinister. But the whole notion, like, there's there's good bones to that movie. It's not a bad movie, and I liked it. It just... No, and I, yeah. I, I think it goes to why I'm not so... I, I guess I'm less of a supernatural fan in the sense of, uh, you know, I, I've watched um, both Insidious movies, or I don't know how many Insidious movies there are, but I I believe I've watched the first two. Um, and I think I've oh, seen... The, the Bagul, Conjuring. not the Bugaboo. Like, that's... <laughs> It's not that far off. But here's the thing, like I can't I can't distinguish them. Like and this is not a comment at all on the films themselves. It's just that like that just doesn't rev my engine. So like I can watch them, but they don't really do much for me. So so but what even about, a great, you know. What about something like Nightmare on Elm Street, which we have a story about that here in a second. Um that's all supernatural. Okay, so I guess the way that I'm I'm talking uh, a haunting film, I guess I don't know. It it's got to have something that I don't know. I I don't know how to say it other than like there's something about those those movies that just isn't connecting with me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a supernatural story, but like I like the first yeah. Poltergeist, but that's because it's sort of a visual feast. I don't know that I would run on record and be like. You know, every movie that features a poltergeist is amazing. Like, you know, any of the Amityvilles are subpar at best, in my so opinion. I, I will say, that I think I think you and I are on the same page with some of this, where something has to be really, like, above board for me to be like, wow, I like that in terms of that kind of horror. I'm not saying that it's, I'm immune to it, because I remember in the theater seeing um, the remake of Amityville Horror and liked and surprised by how much I liked it. I, maybe it hasn't aged well, but I dug it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Conjuring... There, there. The first half of that movie is really good, and then it just. It, my biggest thing, and this is my own personal belief system, is that I, I, I really don't believe in like an afterlife. So, like when you have ghosts, I feel like, like they're they're, they have rules until they don't, and so that takes a lot of the suspense out of it for me. Where it's like, if they can do everything, then why aren't they just doing what they do now? And so, I mean, there is a certain sense of of terror in it being detached, right? But. I don't know. Like, there's just some of that stuff where something like Sinister, at least it's like like a single being causing all of this and causing problems. But a lot of ghost story stuff, I'm just it just doesn't. So, well, I guess the Conjuring is a single entity too, but I don't know. So throwing it all under the label of supernatural may not have been correct. I'm just saying that there's something about that. I don't even know if you want to call it subgenre, subgenre, but like the current films that are coming out that aren't either slashers or complete mind screws like say hereditary just 
don't connect with me. Which I mean, you could and argue that Hereditary is kind of a haunting film. Like, it, it, oh, it, it absolutely it, yeah. is. I'm saying that like if it's not something. Again, this is where I, I feel like I'm painting myself into a corner. Because no, you don't like, have well, to. No, no, no. Because I mean, well, what about this? You liked that? Why well, I was but, I was but, asking the question because you said supernatural. I'm like, but like you're like you love Jason, and he is no longer immortal. Like you know, and like, yes. It, so, but I, I guess, I mean, Michael Myers is immortal, but he's just you don't you. You know, so your grunges, your your ringus, your that your, stuff doesn't grudge. I think so, I think you're gonna start talking about like music, like your grunges and your hair metals, no. and you know, um, uh, the for whatever reason that type of horror just doesn't connect with me. And okay. I don't know if it's because maybe I'm unable to connect with the characters in the way that I can in other types of horror movies, but. I, I don't know. Like, I could see why they're popular. I can see that they're well made. It's not like, you know, I have a love for a lot of bad movies that are not well made. So this is not at all a critique on the films of them themselves. It's just there's something about those specific movies that just don't connect with me. And I, I can't instantly put my finger on it. But I'm just saying that, like, there's something about those types of movies that just, you know doesn't do it for me okay so this is actually a good point we're going to pivot into to news uh and we're going to talk about our second story first because this is a good good jumping off point look at that i'm 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 connecting this all together and now for our and i pressed the wrong button <laughs> all right how about this one good news everyone i'm gonna give myself one of these <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I didn't do it. Uh, so we have a story in a second about some uh, some fans that are trying to petition DC to do something we'll talk about in a minute. So you're ta- we're talking about like horror films and what you like and what you don't like. Uh, and so this weekend, um, the film Crawl has come out, which is directed by Alexander uh, Aj. Um, Aja, I think it's Aja. Aja. I want to say Aja, but uh, Aha. Aha. You know, take, and, on, take me. on me. Yeah. Um, that was his first video he directed. No, that's not true. Uh, so that movie, The Crawl, Crawl's been getting some good write ups. Like people say it's a fun movie and it's very suffocating. It's when monsters attack, all that. <laughs> it's very well, suffocating. Well, because they're stuck in a basement <laughs> no. of a flooding. Like, so it's supposed to be kind of suffocating, right? Like It was just like, I hear it's a good movie. It's very suffocating. I heard that it will kill you. Like, before you no. <laughs> and I, I want to go see this. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, I've liked most of the output from him. Um, and it's funny because people have kind of talked. So the story here is that he said he would like to do, he would love to explore a reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street. So this is nothing that's set in stone. There's, there, there's been talks of another one coming. We've talked about this a little bit because, uh, um, Robert England said after doing his little brief uh, appearance on the Goldbergs that he was interested. He might have one more in him. So yeah. this is all kind of stewing in the background. Um, I I know you've seen some of uh, Alexandra Aja's films. Mm-hmm. Alexander, sorry. Um, I I know I've seen his remake of The Hills Have Eyes. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, I did like Piranha a great deal. I thought Piranha was a lot of fun and pretty vicious. Uh, I, I do like High Tension a great deal. High Tension's awesome. I don't know if you've seen High Tension or not. Yeah, High Tension's extremely well made. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen it in probably 10 years yeah it's, it's been a while since i've seen it that was one of those like when i was started to get back into horror it's like everyone's like, gotta watch this no it just kind of it, it broke me for a minute because it was brutal right it's good film 
Uh, but then someone someone was talking about this on Facebook, and then, like, and someone was making a comment about like, well, most of what he's done is pretty good. And they're like, well, what's the bad one? And they're like, Mirrors. And I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about Mirrors because that was not a good movie, and I blocked it completely out of my brain. I've not seen. Mirrors, yeah, I don't watch so. it. Um, so. Uh, yeah. So he says he would like to do this, and you said you're kind of you're kind of indifferent, but also kind of hesitant. Yeah, it's like I I, I I'm both apathetic, but also at the same time have strong opinions. Um, and this is nothing against Alexander Aja, but um, I almost said Aha. Um, I just I don't know that I'm really all that interested in a reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and. I don't know that there's a name that you could attach to it that'd be like, yes, that's who's gonna, that's who should do it. Like, even if it's a director that I love or somebody that I adore, um, I guess I just, I kind of feel like they tried it once, it didn't work. Um, but at the same time, I'm realize that I'm forced to realize that you know, if how do I put this? Uh, I don't want to be the guy who's constantly kicking and screaming about every little movie that gets made um and i don't want to be the guy who um is unwilling to see that like for this franchise to go on there has to be something more than either um a return of robert england i mean to be honest with you if i'll be if this was a story that was like uh heather langenkamp and uh robert england are returning to do the last nightmare or something along those lines i'd be like i'm in i'm totally in mm-hmm. so i realize that it's absolutely contradictory for me to be like yeah this doesn't excite me <laughs> it's like when i think about star wars in the sense that i'm well aware that you know they can't keep bowing to the nostalgia of the original trilogy even if i think that certain things weren't help, held weren't What's the word I'm looking for here? That certain things weren't done well enough or to my liking in Last Jedi. I realize that like it, it can't always be beholden to the original three films, mm-hmm. and it's got to grow and move beyond that to become something else. I'm I'm well aware of that, so I I don't want to be the guy who's like instantly poo pooing it. I realize that it's probably going to have to if if it's going to become something new, it's got to go through some sort of change. Um, but then I also think about how many franchises have been resurrected successfully. Um, you know, I don't know of a, another, you know, outside of the original uh, Universal films and maybe the Hammer horror films, I can't think of a successful resurrection of, say, a Universal property. Maybe The Mummy with the Brendan Fraser movies. But even that was more of an Indiana Jones mm-hmm. meets the Mummy type movie than a straight up you know, remake of a mummy. So I, I'm just, I, if it's him and they do something cool with it, I'll go see it. Um, well, didn't you just go see the, the new child's play and, I did. Th- and thought it was fun? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about the new child's play movie, uh, to the people who are complaining that, you know, it's not the original and they didn't bring, um, Oh God, Brad Dourif, Brad Dourif. I'm like, well, I can't think of his name now. Um, back and you know, I, I understand your your feeling. I certainly understand if you're somebody who's like Don Mancini's been with the franchise forever and has been sort of the guardian of that and this was a cash grab. I, I can't make an argument against that. At the same time, I will say that like 
all movies are cash grabs. No movie is not made for profit. Like, you don't make a movie because you're like, I don't care if it makes money. Um, unless you make comics, and we'll get into that. Um, but, <laughs> That's how you uh, make millions. Yeah. Um, uh, at the same time, you know, it's it's a fun movie. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to probably, like, pick it up day one when it comes out on Blu-ray. Uh, it might be like, oh, it's on sale. I'll pick it up kind mm-hmm. of sale. But, like, it was a fun movie. And... You know, Mark Hamill gives us a different Chucky because it's got the serial killer persona that's been put into it via voodoo removed from the movie. Like, this is not that same retelling. So it's more of a electronics gone bad story, I guess is a better way of putting it. But um, so I, I guess if you're to reframe that with like a new Nightmare on Elm Street film, which they did, they did try doing it. There were some good ideas in it, but then they decided just to, to, to shit the bed in the ending. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy, I thought, was actually pretty good. Um, I, I, I don't know if I agree with the decision to make the makeup actually be more like a burn victim, because as much as it was realistic, it didn't look it didn't give him a character. Um, but I didn't think I didn't think he was bad. I liked the notion of the, the micro sleep where they, you are so pushed that you'll just like your brain will just flip off for like a second. And mm-hmm. then this could be a moment when he could attack. I thought that was all cool. There were some good moments in there. Just the ending just was like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. But so, and even with the new Friday the 13th that had come out, it wasn't perfect. And there's, there's, I have some quibbles about it, but it still felt like a Friday the 13th film and it could, it could have went on to do something else. See, for me with Friday the 13th, my whole thing was just, it felt like a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. You've got a blank slate to do whatever you want. And it just felt like they didn't do anything new with it. And I understand people who are like, well, that's why we love it because it's exactly what the other Friday the 13th are. I would argue that that's actually not the case, but that's a whole well, other discussion. They at least approached him more like, uh, we're going to make this guy who's like a survivalist, and he can, you know, I like the idea that it's like, this is why he can run and catch people now, not just because, like, you know, the movie calls for him to catch people. You know? Right. Like, I, I th- Again, I think, you know, doing his mother killing in the first 20 minutes and then making Jason the, you know, star... Uh, they rushed a lot a, of it and then oh we're just gonna have a hockey mask in an attic i guess he's gonna wear that now that kind of frustrated me i mean to be fair the way he gets the mask in three is equally dumb it's from shelly's bag of tricks so well, that that's fair but at least you've known this character for two films and whenever he goes from you know well one and a half films when he goes from being you know weird looking guy to potato sack man to like you know what i don't need the potato sack anymore this mask gives me confidence yeah you know, like i guess uh it just it, and sports it, when it comes to the nightmare reboot, my memories of it are vague, and I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm forgetting that movie a little bit more each day. But um, <laughs> my my except big thing in your was... dreams, it just haunts <laughs> you in your dreams. <laughs> yes, Jackie Earl Haley, great pick. Um, the script was a reinterpretation of the original. Fine. Uh, there's some decisions made, particularly with Freddy's character, about whether or not he's actually. Uh, been wrongfully, yeah, yeah uh, accused or not, uh, I thought could have been far more interesting had they gone another way with it. Yep. Um, and my main thing I remember was the digital effects. Um, a digital effect in 2008, which is when I think that movie came out, should not look worse than a practical effect from 1984. <laughs> um, yes. I think if you're going to try and recreate a classic moment like when Nancy's laying in bed and Freddy kind of comes out of the wall, mm-hmm. um, 
and you do it worse than they did in 1984, <laughs> there's no reason for that. Like, there, there should have been a more clever approach to the, the way they did gags. And if you're going to recreate one of the famous ones, you better do it better than the original. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, But so uh, to tie this back to Alexandra uh, Aja, like, so did you see Piranha? I did. Um, um, it's not like, <laughs> okay, have you seen the original Piranha? I maybe, but I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is not a slam against Piranha either, but it's not like a psycho remake in the sense well, that no, like, no, 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 no. You're right. Like the, 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 this isn't like uh, like everyone's like oh, shit. He better stick the Piranha right. landing. No, but he understood the genre he was working in. He understood why people like these films and. And some of the practical effects in that movie, like in the marriage. Oh, there's some of, really great stuff in like them. just any movie where you have Eli Roth's head gets squished between two boats is an Oscar winner in my opinion. But the guy who gets uh, pulled out of the water and just falls apart is is amazing. And there's a sequence where uh, this girl, like these two guys, pull this girl up off on the beach, and like her torso's bleeding, and because she's got you know like her insides just shoot out in the middle, and they go to carry her on the beach, and the guy carrying her legs trips and pulls forward and the other guy holding her upper body stays still so her body just gets pulled apart okay like, that's what i'm thinking yeah, of. i thought it was that, a guy okay. that's just because it looks so real to me because you have this girl with her arms like and she's screaming and then the moment they pull her apart she just like goes limp i'm like how did they do that and then they show in the making of that she's wearing the green screen stockings on her like her like waist below and then the rest of that that's actually being pulled from her is a fake body part yeah but so it's like it's a practical effect married with a digital effect and the way it's just done and when the legs are taken out like the green legs it looked so good that i'm just like jesus christ that 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 hurts and then the there was the the what the one platform in the middle of the water that was tipping upward mm-hmm. they actually built hydraulics to make it do that so like there's a lot of like thought that went into something that went in front of the camera so i will give you all that i feel like the, the, he's not a stranger and i haven't seen crawl i know the crocodiles are cg but a lot of everything else probably isn't it's so funny whenever i hear crawl i i think people are saying crawl crawl yeah as in um, the glaive just K-R. is in florida the glaive lives in the everglades yeah it the uh, anyway, I said Everglades. You didn't uh, catch that. Oh no, um, I did. Yeah, I had to. T- I had to tell the joke. It just lives. That it lives there forever in the Everglades, and now it just flies out and attacks people. That's what that movie is. Now, um, so this isn't his first rodeo of trying to marry the practical with the the you know CG and other elements. So I would think that we do something like Nightmare on Elm Street, which either you can go back to the original and ground it in more of like the nightmare in the sense of the boiler room and just that terror. Or you can go into some of the later entries where it's like dreams can be anything. So mm-hmm. we're going to make this, you know, maybe it's like this psychedelic cartoony thing, but there's still terror here. I, I, I think he has plenty of resources to pull from, and I think he knows how to do it, whether or not he would be my first choice. I don't know. Um, but then again, how many people were running up that have an established filmmaking career in horror that says, I want to do Nightmare on Elm Street. You don't really hear a lot of people calling their shot. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, if this gets another one made with the right people behind it, I'm interested. If this just, again, is just a, we're going to try doing something different. Forget what you know. I'm, I would be hesitant, but I wouldn't be dismissive until I saw it. Yeah. I, and again, it's not really that I'm dismissive. It's just that I don't have any enthusiasm for it. And I realize that part of it's old man syndrome. <laughs> I realize that part of it, though, is is that I'm I'm really I really think that, you know, Robert England, if he's got one more in him, let's do it. You yeah. Know, there's no reason not to. You guys have had 
16 years since Freddy vs. Jason to do something with Robert England. Why not do it now before it's too late? It's the same reason that, like, even though, and we've had many, uh, not many discussions, but we've had recent discussions about Alien 3, um, you know, while I'm okay with wiping that movie out and... Uh, That's the incorrect statement. If yeah. there's, you know, a Sigourney Weaver Alien 5 that comes, well, would that technically not- be 5? What? What would it be? It, it would be, be five, but that it would be actually Alien Three. The well, second coming. Supposedly the one that um oh District Nine guy. Um, yeah, that's Blow the Camp, one. Blomkamp. Yeah, was supposed to make, but then um, Covenant got started getting made, so his plans got shelved. So it would have been called Alien. F- I think it would have been called Alien Five or something. Okay. Something. I'm probably wrong, but it would have ignored three. You're right. Aliens with two S's. Yeah. Aliens. Um. <laughs> no, aliens with the Z. But <laughs> I, like- I, I kind of I say to myself, you know, like why, why not cash that check if it's really about making the money, you know, which it is for the studios. Get Sigourney Weaver and do it while you can. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's actually one of the things that I think is one of the big disappointments for Star Wars fans is, is that like, you know, there was never a, a even though all three characters are in the same film, there's never a reunion of Han, Luke and Leia. Mm-hmm. That's a, a missed opportunity, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. So um, why not do it? Because it's it's well, let's I see. mean, let's look at Halloween, Halloween, whether you liked the new Halloween or not. It made a ton of money. Yeah, yeah, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis was involved. And but we'll see also how this uh, Terminator Dark Fate plays out with uh, Linda Hamilton coming back in that too. So we'll see. Like, and I got to admit, that's my only reason for being interested in that because I don't think the trailer looked as like people are falling over themselves with the trailer. I didn't think it looked that great. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's Terminator. I'll I'll see it. You know, like uh, I would say that, except I have not seen Salvation or Jenny Isis. <laughs> I saw Jenny Isis in the theater, so I think I owe it to myself to go see Dark Fate in the theater. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, moving on to the story that was supposed to be our main story. Uh, just be, so Steve pointed this out to me. So Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con's happening like this weekend. And so evidently, a bunch of people got together and pulled money to make billboards and bus station advertisements, everything else, with the hashtag of release the Snyder Cut, meaning they want... Uh, they want the Zack Snyder cut, supposedly, of Justice League that was uh, that originally teased in the trailers for the film. And then, you know, whenever he had to leave the project because of family tragedy, people tend to forget that, like, he didn't go away from this like, because he was fed up with the project. I mean, something bad happened. Yeah. Um, and then, so then Josh Whedon came in and did reshoots and put out Justice League as we've seen it, which I know you've seen that movie. I know we've talked about the DC films you've not seen. Yeah. But these, these, these fans are, like, adamant that this this footage is there and that the movie was basically complete. They believe that what was supposed to be shown is somewhere in the Warner Brothers like archive and like they they want this. So people so they're trying to petition now that um the leadership has changed at Warner Brothers to get the Snyder cut, I put in air quotes, released. And I just think it's funny because they spent a lot of money for something that's not gonna happen that may not even exist. You know, yeah. like I, the only thing I'd say at this point is either take some of the footage that you already have and put it out as a special feature, like say, here's stuff that we have. Here was like some of the ideas or, you know, like take the finished footage and then animate the rest. Like not, I'm not talking like full CG, but like do like, well, I know. mean, there are a couple of things that they could yeah. do. Um, you know, one of the big things that Warner does now is, is they're releasing original animated films every it feels like every month now, but um, maybe it's every couple of months. Um, 
they could do an animated version of the Snyder Cut. Yeah. They could, oh, we want to see the real three and a half hour untold story. <laughs> no. It was supposed to be three and a half hours. Yeah, like, so this, this is a bus station advertisement, and you can tell the, the old lady in the picture doesn't care. Um, it's like, want to see the three and a half hour untold story of the Justice League featuring Darkseid? Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Like, I, I, three and a half hours, like, Endgame pulls it off. But that's because it's game has like twenty movies going into yeah. it. Um, yeah, a, a three and a half hour. Cut Justice League would have had how many movies going into it? You would have had um, Man Superman, of Steel. Man of Steel, uh, Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman came out, I believe. Yeah, and before. well, Wonder Woman came out before Justice League. You're right. Yeah. So you're right. there's four movies, right? And Suicide Squad doesn't really count, like because yeah. the Batman's in it for like a second, but great. That, that that deserves a three and a half hour epic. <laughs> yeah. Well, so going back to my original point, like they could do it as an animated film and take those vocal tracks by those actors and animate them. They could do it as a comic. Like I, I really love the fact that DC has done these weird offshoot comics where they're like, people really seem to like the the Linda Carter, you know, Wonder Woman. We'll do a Wonder Woman. I think it's like Wonder Woman seventy six or something like that. It's yeah, like a after continuation. The, after the Batman sixty six stuff yeah. did well. Yeah, why not? Like, why not do that? Like, I'm I'm all for that. I just it feels I don't know. It, it feels futile. It's it's the same category as the people who were, uh, you know, like you know, wipe episode eight from canon, where it's like, whoa, 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 like. We got bigger things to worry about in our lives. Like, let's just, it's a movie, let it go. Like, yeah. for all my bitching and complaining I do about that movie, I, I, yeah, I would never sign a petition to have it wiped from canon. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I guess maybe this is the way that they get attention, but at the same time, I don't know that home releases are as big as they were, you know, say five years ago, you know? Uh, is it even financially worth it for them to put this out? No. Like, I mean, in terms of this three and a half hour epic, so that would mean that you'd have to actually say that this film was done, that that all the effects were done and processed, that, that it was color timed and scored and edited and synced. Like, there, just no. Like, there's just no way... Like, there might be all this footage, and I mean, I guess if Warner Brothers wants to get Snyder back in and cut it, fine, but I just... I also don't know, like, who who... How many people are really demanding this? You can never tell with the the internet. Like, what's an actual like? Mm-hmm. Is it a vocal minority or is it a majority? Like, I can't tell. Well, so and Warner Brothers put out um, Watchmen, the film, right? So there's actually a couple of different cuts of that film, and mm-hmm. so you have the theatrical cut, yeah, the director cut, which is a little bit longer. Speaking of Zack Snyder, I'm an idiot. I realized that he directed that as well, but he also they put out the Tales of the Black Freighter which was animated, which was the comic that the kid was reading in the comic book about the pirate. It was a pirate comic or some sort, like somebody surviving some kind of hardship. I can't remember exactly right. But there's a cut of the film now that's like four or five hours that has all the director stuff, and they also intercut the Tales of the Black Freighter to match the way it was in the comic. Uh, That's all well and good. I mean, the fact that they released the Tales of the, uh, the, the whatever it was, the, the animated stuff as its own little movie as well. I think that's, if you have the material already, it's processed and finished, then you can cut it up however you want. It would cost so much to bring this thing out of cold storage and then fix it, fix it, quote unquote. Um, especially now that Warner Brothers has had success with, with Wonder Woman, with Shazam, with Aquaman, 
And they're like, well, we don't know what direction we're quite heading, but it's like, do you think they want to go back and show that what the grand finale would have been for their dark gritty experiment that didn't exactly make money? Right. I mean, it made some money. It just didn't make Marvel money, and I think that's where where it came down to. Yeah, and and, and ultimately, Batman vs Superman made a lot of money, but it it, it was against lowered projections. Um, yeah, and Justice League made money, but you just you wonder ultimately how much it made versus all the background stuff to even get that film out in front of everybody. But either way, you know, if you're passionate about something, fine, rent a billboard. That's cool. Um, but. I did see something along the lines that somehow proceeds are going to go to suicide awareness, which is, if that's true, great. I don't know how there are proceeds from the actual billboards being put up, but yeah, um, yeah, that's fine. You know, I mean, it's I guess it's not hurting anybody. I just don't understand the demand for this movie, and it's it's not like uh, you know. Um, well, it's just like knowing that the Russos had like closer to a five-hour cut of Endgame. It would be great if Marvel and, and Disney was like, you know, maybe we don't need every single shred in here, but it, just give us an extended cut. I think people would want that. Yeah, but this isn't the equivalent of Spielberg making AI. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this isn't like, oh, we had this, you know, um, amazing script <laughs> by a director who we lost, and, you know, Spielberg is taking it on. It's It's... This isn't that um, that Orson Welles film, Inherent the Wind, that was sitting right almost complete for years, and then Netflix finally got it put together and put out. Like, this isn't that. Right. Or, um, you know, going back to the horror genre, you know, uh, there had been a producer's cut of Halloween 6 that had existed for years and years and years and wasn't released until, I believe, five years ago. Um, yeah, it's a better cut of the movie, but like there was never a point where I was like, I have to see it. You know, <laughs> like I never, I never stormed. Uh, uh, I think it was Miramax at the time who owned the cut, and you know, told them that they had to release it. And I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, uh, billboards advertising for something that probably will never happen, but whatever. Fans are gonna and, until they get what they want, and then what what will happen? Let's say let's say that Warner Brothers does this. Says, okay, here you go. You can have this. And they're gonna be like, oh. Well, that wasn't very good, was it? Then what do you do? <laughs> then what do you do? And be like, well, no, this was better than the Joss Whedon one. Like, like are you like I, like maybe maybe not getting what you think you want is maybe for the best. Yeah. If if them holding back and then changing gears, even though I know the way production schedules work, and everything gave people Shazam and gave people Aquaman. I haven't seen Aquaman. It hurts a lot of dumb fun. Um, like doesn't mean any harm. It's just kind of fun. Shazam looks like it's a lot of fun. I just haven't watched it. Like, yeah. I think I'll, I'll probably owning Shazam. I think, I think I like that movie. Just everything I've seen about it's like right up my alley. You know, if, if it took them like kind of like stopping like uh midstream be like, maybe we should do this if that's what it took. Fine. But whatever. Anyway, billboards for things that probably won't happen. That should have been our game. Billboards for things that probably won't <laughs> oh, I wish I had yeah. thought of that. All right. Anyway, last story here real quick. So this is, ties into, uh, we just talked about Alexandra, uh, Aja, and we talked about Krull. Krull? No. Um, so there's been a story now, supposedly, it, it, that um, there was a viral story recently where police, uh, there was a, a post to a police department in Tennessee saying, maybe you shouldn't flush meth because it could actually cause gators to go a little nuts because of meth mm-hmm. so people started like freaking out about like meth addled gators out there <laughs> and so um so someone like people what was it uh 
what was it where we're going someone actually posted it or the i don't have the original post here but they basically someone came out and said yeah we don't know how this would affect actual gators because their biology is different than ours probably not a good idea uh even though the meth would get diluted it is it is it would exist in our ecosystem and it would affect others so please don't do that please don't flush your meth like it's what it came down to um yeah uh but meth gators though that's a movie right there meth gators yeah um but the, the whole thing starts with the gator biting somebody that's on meth and then getting a taste for it. That's what it would be, right? Um, I that might be He's the sequel. Tasted to, meth. <laughs> that might be the sequel to crawl. But then the problem is they'd want meth so much the teeth would fall out. Then what's a crocodile without teeth? That's true. Just you know, I don't know. I don't know what that would, what that would be. But anyway, I thought that thought you'd find that funny that people freaked out that there could be meth meth addled gators out there. I mean, I gotta be honest. I'm the king of like being afraid of things that are completely illogical, and like this would terrify me. If, if I lived someplace where crocodiles or alligators were in within walking vicinity of me, and and not in a zoo, then yeah, I'd be like, oh my god. So how would you we'd handle, have to stop the meth gators? How how would you handle living like out in like the west, like uh, Arizona? I'd die. Like regardless of like the heat, which the heat's it's not humid, right? But like like tarantulas and scorpions, like how would you handle? So I can say that I've been out to Phoenix to visit friends twice, and. Both of those occasions were both scorpion slash spider free. Uh, <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> free that I know of. Um, but yeah, I. it's a weird thing. I did pest control for seven years. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm not terrified, but at the same time, I've never come face to face with a scorpion. So I don't know what my reaction would be. What was the worst thing you dealt with in pest control? Bed bugs, easily. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Like people would, you know, be disgusted by cockroaches, and yes, cockroaches are disgusting. But you, anybody can get cockroaches, and there are so many different ways that they can come into your house. Um, an egg sac can be left in a cardboard box of electronics that you, you know, get from somebody, bring it in the house. You have cockroaches suddenly, but they're easily treatable, um, and you can get rid of them. Fleas, pain in the ass, yes, but you can get rid of them. Uh, once it comes to bed bugs. You like have to go to extremes to get rid of them and make sure they stay gone. So uh, that was actually one of the reasons that I got out of pest control, not because it was like, oh, such a lucrative field, <laughs> but at the same time, I was just, uh, I was good at that job. And um, were you like John Goodman in uh, Arachnophobia? I was. <laughs> people instantly, fat guy, exterminator. John Goodman spray inspires um, that don't die to step on them and move on, <laughs> but. Uh, when it comes to bed bugs, it was right around the time that the infestation started making their way back into pop culture, and people were like discovering, "Oh, these things are finally they're they're making a comeback in a way that they've kind of been a dormant problem for a very long time." Yeah, there's um, a lot of reasons for that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, once I saw some of them firsthand, and uh, having to work in a Tyvek suit and all this other crap, I was like. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, I read too much about bed bugs. I know, like they're 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 horrific. <laughs> like, yeah. they're disgusting little creatures, and like they're they're just. But yeah. Um, and if we go to a hotel, I do a full search of the bed, and I do all kinds of stuff. And my wife thinks I'm absolutely crazy. I'm like, you do not know. I've seen what they can do, and it's disgusting. Do you take like a tiny little gun? Like you're like, listen, bed bugs. <laughs> flash a piece at you guys. No. Um, 
Yeah, I forgot that you worked in pest control. So yeah, and bed bugs. They're disgusting. Don't read about them. Or maybe read about how to not have them because otherwise, yeah. like, uh, so here's why, uh, here's one disgusting fact about bed bugs that I found out about is that, that they're, they're hard to keep in colonies and lab settings because the queen can't get away because, so, all right. You guys, this is disgusting. So bed bugs don't mate the same way that other insects do. Like the queen hangs out and they don't actually do like she doesn't get like the sperm from like the the drones or whatever and then lays the eggs. They come and jab her in the abdomen with what they got and then she lays the eggs from that. So the queens in captivity can't get away from all the males stabbing her in the gut or whatever, the bug gut, and they just kill her because basically she gets raped to death. Like, oh. And, uh, I did not know. Not that. even raped, forcibly penetrated to death. Um, it's I, disgusting. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So anyway, there. So there you go. They, sweet dreams, everybody. So, <laughs> all right. Now that now that I I've ruined everybody's life. Oh, was, and yeah, just yeah. a just a you know a, a word of caution on that. If you have bed bugs, get a professional. Don't go buy a kit at the store. Get yeah. a professional. It's and only going to get fire worse. to your house. That's really honestly it, it, like I I. I if I'm ever faced with it, I'm going to have some tough, tough decisions to make. <laughs> Not burning my house down, but like, yeah, there, there's some definite choices that would be made. Oh, no. So. All right. Well, I mean, you know, like, how, which cat? No, I'm joking. No. <laughs> All right. Not the animals. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And so on that, I'm happy to, let's just get to, let's just get to me talking to Steve more. And now for our feature presentation. So, Steve, tell me more about bed bugs and infestations and how to handle them. No. Uh, so, I decided I was going to uh, ask Steve during this show because we talk about movies and all this other stuff all the time. And Steve always does talk about his comic, Science Slasher. And I've tried help and sell his book and to, you know, not been successful with, with me, my selling, not the book's not successful. But um, when we go to these conventions and I go to help out, I do see all the people trying to self promote, whether it's comic, whether it's prints, whether it's like, you know, books, people, people are creating and wanting to get it out there. Mm -hmm. And, and Steve, you're one of them. So I just wanted to know just from your standpoint. So like whenever I was looking up like questions to, to ask you about this, there was an article I read here saying podcast, the indie author secret weapon, oh, right? Nice. And, and it said, let's face it. Many indie authors, which I generally refer to as independent publishers, albeit smaller ones, eh, will dismiss podcasting out of hand too hard, too t time consuming. Don't quite get it. Pass. And that'd be a bad <laughs> idea. Like, right, so they said, let's start at the beginning. All podcasting is, is recording yourself talking. You could be recording yourself talking by yourself, or you could record yourself talking with someone else about a particular topic. Uh, and, and then you become consistent about these recordings, doing them every week, every month, or every quarter. Congratulations, you're now a podcaster. Thanks, independent... Like, <laughs> So this person's art, they reason this like they're like, oh well, you're already writing and producing. What you know? What's the next easiest thing? Podcasting. Like so, it's like that's so clearly that is that must be just as easy it is as to become someone who writes something. It's like you know what? Just write some words, put it in a sentence, write some more sentences together. That's a paragraph, a few paragraphs. That's some pages. Add some pages. Guess what? You have a book now. You're now an author. Like what? No, that doesn't. There's a lot in between. So. Look, I won't lie that it's a huge benefit. It's a benefit to me that I can come and talk about my comic stuff 
every week on here. It's if if I'm talking to somebody at a convention, I all also like, hey, you know, here's one of the Invasion of the Podcast stickers. You know, um, give it a listen if you listen to podcasts. Even if you don't, give it a try. Um, I will say that like. Just this idea that you can suddenly, like, I'm just going to be a podcaster. Like, you got to have a little bit more than that. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's, it, podcasting's wonderful in the sense that, like, it's an open source me- uh, medium. Everybody can, can try their hand at it if they want. But, like, if you're, particularly if you're going to do a podcast by yourself, that's incredibly hard. Unless your name's Al Goro. <laughs> I don't know of another podcast that I list that's just one person talking the entire time that I listen to. That, that's yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes, uh, being on a podcast certainly helps, and I think that's why a lot of people, when we reach out to them, are like, "Hey, do you want to be on the podcast?" You know, particularly artist friends that I know, um, they're almost always willing to like, "Yeah, it's it's you know a conversation. It's free advertising. Great." Well, that's fair, but this the notion of this person being like, well, what is it? Just these three things, and then you're doing it. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like, so you have two pub. You well, you actually have three published books. You because you, you put out uh, uh, misfits of science. No, abominations of science. So there's abominations of what? science. I, misfits of science was the NBC TV show. That's not your book. You had misfits of science. Uh, and abominations then, of science. Yeah, abominations of science. <laughs> I just literally just just messed it up twice in a row. Uh, the science slasher, the first issue, and then this um, Beyond Sunset. Yes, I was. See, I didn't say the wrong one there. Like, I'm so bad. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But so you you uh, but the you have. Uh, published these at, at three different points in terms of like you're approaching to publishing. Yeah. So, um, when you when you did um, the abominations of science, that was published when? Uh, so it's been published a couple times in different formats. Um, so let's let's go back real quick. Um, before that, uh, there were some mini comics that we did, uh, which were never really. St- I think we actually might have sold some of them at Carol and John's, but they were mostly we'd take them to conventions and give them out. Um, these are um, mini comics are essentially an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper folded over, so it's, that's the size that you get. Um, I'm not saying one piece of paper, but I'm <laughs> saying that's the that's the the size of the book is a half sheet of eight by eleven. Um, and they're relatively cheap to print up. It's not free, but it's it's relatively cheap way to do it. Um, and I actually want to do something small on that level again, just to have something extra at my table. I just don't know what it's going to be. But uh, we did just a fold your of, other books in half. Yes. <laughs> well, we did a couple of um, black and white ones that were called. I believe I don't remember if we did one or two amateurs of horror. Um, there was a TV show that uh, was done in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, uh, where they got a bunch of horror directors together and each did an episode and it was called The Masters of Horror. So it's like, well, let's just call ours The Amateurs of Horror. <laughs> um, and they were silly stories. They, they There was one serious one that my wife's always like, you should revisit that one. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. It's about a, a zombie, but it's not in the sense that like he's come back to eat people. It's that he's come back because he's still in love with his wife and um it it ends with him turning her into a zombie but it's not your typical like must eat brains kind of story okay but uh the contents of those stories were very again i i say amateurish in this like we were learning like 
that's the thing. I if I if somebody asked me like what's the one thing that you should know about self-publishing or doing any sort of creative venture is that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make a lot of them. Um and to this day I'm still making mistakes. Granted, there's a progression that my product is getting better each time I do it, but you're still going to make mistakes. So that takes us up to Abominations of Science, which was I was married in 2012. We ran a Kickstarter for it. We'd already done some of it as a mini comic before, but we decided to expand it. Um, I think it was 48 issue, 48 pages for the first issue. We ran a Kickstarter. It was successful. We printed it up, um, and we actually had a couple of good reviews. There was one on Bleeding Cool, uh, which I it's the only time we've ever been re- reviewed on Bleeding Cool, but uh, that was kind of nice. Um, and then from that point on. I wanted to do something different, and that's kind of where I came up with the idea to do the Siren Slasher as a webcomic, which people aren't really interested in the webcomic anymore. They want to go back to printed, so <laughs> that's that's a whole other ball of wax. But as far as a timeline goes, probably making, in one form or another, like little comics, mini comics, I should say, uh, to what we're doing now, probably... <sighs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say at least ten years. Okay, so um, I realize that's a very long answer to a very no, simple question. No, no, no. I just I, oh, I, you're right. Like everything's a process. You learn from it. There's mistakes. So, with aside from the statement of, of making mistakes, like what were what were some of the things that you did early on that when you look back now you're like, oh, if only I would have known. I would have done this differently. Like, what are things that you've learned along the way in terms of trying to bring your and Ryan's vision, you know, multiple visions, because you've done three books and, and, and many comics, I'm sorry. Um, like, I'm sure there's been, you know, communication between you two about how you want to do stuff, but then also just in terms of formatting and, and um, uh, page layouts and just everything. Like, what have you learned um, along the way that you wouldn't have known when you're like, we're just going we're gonna to make a printed comic? Like, uh, I mean, one thing is is that I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to the comic, um, and that's not to mean that like I'm a complete rat bastard. But like <laughs> Ryan is very much into getting it done, getting it out there, and move on to the next thing. Whereas I will focus on something for a very long time and try to make it as. And it's not that he's not trying to make it the best that he can. It's just that like I will dwell on the littlest things for a very long time. Um, one of the things that I can say is is that if you're making a uh, indie comic, if this is the first time you're going to do this, uh, let's say you've already gone through and you've spent you know 10 years drawing and you feel like you've got the knack of visual storytelling down. Um, things that you need to consider. Lettering. Lettering is one of the things that I still think that uh, there's a ton of improvement for because I do it all digitally and I use a program for it. And it's it works, but I don't think that our lettering has a character to it the way that some comics have, um, particularly with, you know, I'm trying to think. Um, Joe Cooper, uh, Walt Simonson actually is, is a great um, reference. If you ever look at a Walt Simonson comic, comic, he does all his word balloons. Well, not always his word balloons, but at least his, his effects. Um, like, if it says kaboom, chances are he what drew they, that. They call in, that what, onomatopoeia? Yeah. Not, yeah, like the, the um, pal zap or whatever. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Think about how that is designed. And like, I just thought about as long as it's legible, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as you can read it, 
It doesn't matter. Uh, lettering needs to have character. It needs to convey things, and it needs to give emphasis to the reader. Um, and it's still something that, because I don't consider myself a letterer, is as a shortcoming. And if we ever got big enough where I could hire a letterer to come on, I would absolutely do it in a heartbeat. Um, so that's that's something that I would absolutely revisit. And that's one of the things that I would say to anybody who's thinking about doing this. Go to a convention. Talk to everybody that you possibly can. Uh, one of the things that I... Uh, when we were first doing it and I was showing it to people, like that was one of the first comments we always got was like, ooh, the lettering's not very good. And it was like, okay, well, you know, how do I improve that? And hearing that, not some, that something's not good is not a detriment. It's a plus. Like, you need to know how to improve. I still need to know how to improve. Like, I always tell people when they come to the table, and it's jokingly, but I'm like, even if you think it sucked, tell me why. Like, I don't care. Just tell me what you didn't like. Because there's genuine, you know, you know, as long as it's not vitriolic, obviously, but, like, <laughs> um, there's genuine, you know, criticism in comics or in people's comments, whether it be like, yeah, this didn't work for me because that's rushed, or uh, the lettering just doesn't, work for the story that I'm reading. It doesn't have any character or um, I couldn't follow the panel tran uh, um, not transgressions, but the what sort I'm looking for transitions. Um, I could follow the panel transgressions. I was <laughs> very angry the entire time. So there are a lot of things that go into making a comic other than just writing and drawing it. So thinking about how it's lettered, thinking about how the story is going to be paced, thinking about uh even simple design things like um, is a splash page work here to make a big impact or would it be a more impactful thing to have, you know, three evenly spaced panels on the page with the last one being the biggest one? Like uh, there's so many variables that can go into t how to tell the story. And again, I realize a long-winded answer to a question, but uh, Steve, I don't know if you know you're not the only ones in the room here, and I'm sure if you know, like, no, I know. I, I'm just I'm trying to make sure that I give as much good information as I possibly can. Yeah, you're giving good information, and I'm asking but, you about your craft. So please, like, if you like, however long it takes to answer the question, have you <laughs> have you heard me answer anything before? No, I get it. I I'm also sometimes uncomfortable considering myself the professional, and I did the air quotes thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are so many other things that can go into it. Um, you know, particularly a logo. It sounds ridiculous, but like, come up with a good logo first. And don't just pick your logo and then just decide that's the one I like. Have other people look at it. Because if they can't read your logo or it doesn't work, it's going to drive people away. Well, because if in a in a perfect world... All these comics would be lined up on a shelf, but in rows in which all you see is the top third. So yeah. generally you would see the logo or, or whatever, right? So if that doesn't catch you right to begin with, it's going to be lost in the sea other titles, right? So right. And also too, like you know, like you name you name a famous character, like even like even looking over your shoulder right now, like I have uh, that um, Neil Adams uh, uh, image. Uh, what was it? X Men fifty eight, whatever it is. Uh, first appearance of Havoc, X Men. Like when I say that out loud, everybody knows that that font, that block, that three D coming out you X Men. You know, mm -hmm. like if I say Spider Man, you know what? Like you should really be thinking like the the slightly dipped like Spider Man font, Batman. Like you're right; these are things that need to have that. And I think that there's there's the, the I've heard this referred to as like stick factor. Like yeah, 
I, I'm a I'm a huge sucker for logos and fonts, regardless of comics or whatever. So it's like you got to give me you got to if you give me a cool font, I'm gonna stare at this longer. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so like I mean, you might have the best book in the world, but if if the 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 logo and the cover art isn't going to catch me, I may not pick it up. So, yeah, I think you have a valid point there. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know whether it's you're writing a book and like that's the one thing that always like I guess makes me laugh is is I see a lot of uh, self published um, book authors, and it's a very like. A stock photo is the best way that I can put it, but you can tell that like whatever they did, they grabbed a stock image or bought a stock or bought image. The, bought the yeah, because I yeah. mean, like, it, um, they might still be considering. You, at least you're in a position that you could create your own cover art. Yeah, um, I you know someone might actually feel like they have a knack for words, but they might not have a knack for visual layout. So they might be at the mercy of what they can afford. And it is frustrating because there's a lot of independent books out there where even if you look at eBooks, like on Amazon and everything, it's like all of these look the same. Right. And it's, and it's like, how do you stand out? So I, I see your point of like, it can look professional, but it can be like something you'd see in the background of a, like a TV show or movie where it says a book. <laughs> like, yeah. You, yeah. Well, it's like, you know, if, if your story is, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, about um, a superhero who comes to Earth to infiltrate the the military, and your cover is a picture of flowers. But the story <laughs> is named like you know, a man from Venus or something. You know, like <laughs> it's got a match. It's got a oh, no, no. I need that. I need that. <laughs> Steve, could you please make? Could you do a mock up of this for later? Uh, a cover with flowers and a nice like, like you know, frilly font saying the man from Venus. <laughs> right. Like what? <laughs> Like that is, I love it. I love it. That is like that's almost like a Chuck Tingle like cover. Like I love it. Uh, <laughs> but but <laughs> I in the butt by a man in Venus. I also understand too that you know when it comes to publishing, uh, you may be backed into a corner because there are a lot of decisions that I've made in the past that were solely based on financial reasons or because I'm like, well, I'll have to do it myself, and I'm still in that position a lot of the time. Um, I would love to be able to bring a letter around and just be like, here, you do it. Cause you know, you're going to do it better than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are somebody who needs like a, a, let's say you wrote a book and you're like, I need a cover for this thing. You know, artists, well, a pay your artists, but B they'll work with you a lot of times. Maybe they, they're in the same position. Because where, they're like, also creative people too and they understand. You right, know? you know. I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to go out and hire like, you know, Alex Ross to paint a cover for your book. But maybe you go to a local convention and you see an artist whose work you really like and you, you say, hey, you know, I'm writing a book. You know, I would like to talk to you about doing a cover for it, you know. And maybe that's something that they're willing to do and... and Typically, a lot of times, artists, because they want to work and they want to make money at it. Um, oh, let me go back on this real quick. Do ne- never, ever, ever tell somebody it's good exposure for them. <laughs> that is a line of horseshit, and it'll get you thrown out the door quicker than anything. If somebody's like, oh, you know, I can't pay you, but it's good exposure for you. That's that's your way of saying, I'm not going to pay you. But I'm going to give you the privilege of being seen. That person can do the same thing and get exposure. So 
please don't ever use that as a selling point for not paying an artist. So I just want to throw that people, out there. I, I, honestly, I think people don't understand like all the time and effort that's in materials that someone has coming to that point where it's like, Oh, you do really good work. What about this? It's like, were you there for all these years? Why I honed this and why I figured all this out? Like, like I know we've talked about this is the like aside, but not really like when you uh, draw uh, stuff for people for like free comic book day and like people come up to you and ask for some pretty outrageous things. And it's like, well, I could try and you know, you have this crystallized image in your head of what you want, but you're asking for it for free. And, and like, I don't know, like there's that certain amount of like, the, we live in a world full of people can be like, here's art. Like you yeah. see all this stuff all the time that everybody must think it could just exist in a vacuum and just show up. So yeah, like, every, like I see, um, like what you're talking about, but like I see every, every so often you'll see someone say, Hey, if someone's out there that could help me with this, it's like help you as in you need to get this completed. So you're willing to, to do what you need to do, or you want someone to give you something. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing. If, if the artist is interested in what you're selling and it's an interesting idea, their chances are going to be like, yeah, we can figure out a payment plan or we can, it's like I was saying a couple episodes ago about, you know, buying things at a convention. Like, Typically, people will work with you, particularly if it's something that's out of your, you know, out of your uh, comfort zone financially. You know, maybe they don't have, maybe you can't afford that two thousand dollar piece, but maybe they got something sitting there that's twenty bucks that you can take home. Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you're, if you think that like this is going to be your big thing, invest in it. Like, not in the sense that like. You know, get a million copies printed and, you know, sell your house to do it. But, <laughs> you know, at least be willing to pay an artist uh, to come up with a a cover image based on what you want. Um, and I realize that's kind of vague, but I guess it's just saying that, like, if it's something that you don't think you can do um, and you're looking for outside help, um, definitely... Uh, don't try to get someone else to do it for free. So do you think it's easier now to get an independent book out there, um, like an actual physical book out there than it was like previously? Like, um, I know everything there, you know, people have like, like, I know you have your Etsy store and I know that everybody has like an outlet. Like, I feel like we've talked about this in various, in, in, you know, versions of this before of when technology becomes easier to access, everybody can then put out stuff. I mean, case in point, we're sitting in a really sweaty office, you know, I'm sorry, small bedroom that I call an office, you know, recording this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, even, even like, you know, 15 years ago, this would have, there would have been a lot more involved for this just to happen. Yeah. And, the hosting and, and everything for me to get this up is so easy. I mean, if I could do it, anybody could do it, but the, the capability wasn't there before, but now the, the, the bar for entry is so low that anybody, anybody can do it in terms of at least getting something out there. Do you think it's easier now to actually have a physical book out there um, and try to get in people's hands than it was when you guys were first starting? I don't know. Like I just, has the market changed? Do you think perceptions changed? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I will say that, uh, you know, with the advent of things like Kickstarter, Kickstarter is a great way to um, get funding for your project. Um, I can say that I don't know that I ever felt like we successfully cracked the nut on Kickstarter because uh, while we were successful, uh, we were a very low budget um, book as well. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't like we were. Um, 
in the tens of thousands of dollars. It was, I think, $1,000 was what we made on Kickstarter. And when I say what we made, what went towards publishing. Yeah. Because cards on the table actually cost more money because we didn't factor in certain things like <laughs> shipping costs, um, some printing for some materials, some some things that we'd offered as incentives. We had some t-shirt shirt runs that went bad that we had to eat the cost on. Oh, no. So, yeah, like there were a lot of things that went into it that actually cost us money, but... Um, so what you're okay? That was for the abominations of science. I was about yeah. to say, were you the slasher's first victim? Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. But when it comes to that, that's why I decided. All right, if we ever do a Kickstarter again, like I'd like to have like a uh, at least some sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not a not a calling card, but I at least want it to be out in the ether. At least that like maybe we've built a following, and then we can actually make enough money to print it and actually you know maybe put a little bit of money towards you know myself and ryan and here's the thing on that i will say i got done telling you like pay your artists ryan and i are partners ryan makes no money off the Sarian slasher but you, um, make, you make double that though i i make <laughs> i make double zero yeah um it's important but, <laughs> it's important that you know that he makes 200 percent more <laughs> But like you know, our agreement is: this is God willing, if it ever makes money, we split it evenly. Um, but as of right now, it's not making any money. But that's a venture that we went in together with. It wasn't oh, like I, I could tell you all about sunk costs. I, <laughs> it wasn't like I went and found Ryan, and then suddenly was like, "You're gonna do this for free?" Yeah. Um, like he's gonna call you and be like, "Listen to the podcast. Wait, I've been doing this for free the entire time." <laughs> you know. But uh, anytime that we make money, it usually goes into either getting more prints made or uh, can, trying to book a future show or uh, doing something else with that money. And to be honest with you, like it's very rare that we walk away, like if not breaking even um, making actual money. <laughs> so again, not a, a worthwhile venture for if you're like, I'm going to make a million dollars with this idea. You're probably not going to just to be honest. Um, and I had a point with this. I was going somewhere. Um, well, so uh, oh, the the ability to, to go out and do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of avenues, and that was the reason that I was like, I'm going to do this as a web comic. And then nobody would read the web comic, and every time I showed it to somebody, they're like, Where can I get a copy? Yeah, and I'm just, like, It's one of those things where like something might seem like the most obvious thing to you, like, well, of course, this is how it has to happen, and then somehow science always goes the opposite direction, like. Oh, well, I thought I had this all thought out, but you know, like, I don't know. It's like creating a podcast and thinking that by like week three, suddenly you'd be like hobnobbing with like Beyonce or something. Yeah. And then like by week 200, the cops are coming to get you like, or the fire truck. That's a fire truck. Right? It's, it's a fire, fire truck. truck. Yeah. It's probably because like there's bed bugs in my house and the house is on fire right now. I just don't know it. <laughs> um, you get to drink from the fire hose. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, 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 I get it where I'm just like, oh, well, it'll be, it'll be cool. I'll get a podcast. And I'm like, a couple people listen to this, keep growing and growing and growing. Um, you know, and then eventually like step three success. Like I, I just, <laughs> and you know, if, if I was doing this because I thought I'd be making money like four years later and be able to quit my job and all that, that'd have been great. That hasn't happened. Um, would, would I be doing this thing? Hey, I could, uh, you know, like reduce my job that has like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. 
uh, do I feel compelled to be like, I still need to create something that I think is a worthy of people's time and attention that I hope that they get some entertainment out of that, you know, maybe makes their day easier. That's why I keep doing this. And also to stoke my own ego. Cause sometimes I think I'm funny. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, not always, but um, I, yeah, I mean, passion's certainly a big part of doing it. Like obviously everybody wants to make money at it. Well, I, 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 I would absolutely love to be like every show I walk away and like I make a ton of money. It's not that way, um, which is why I started. Like I said, the web comic was to try and drive interest for it, um, and that just that didn't work either. So I've gone back to the drawing board and been. We spent more time trying to get issue one out into people's hands and get people interested that way that I kind of neglected the web comic portion of it. Uh, we are working on issue two, and that'll go up once that's published. We'll start re-releasing it as a webcomic as well to at least give people that option. Um, but, you know, that's something else that I would tell people is is that, you know, your passion is going to have to drive you because there are many things that have interfered with this, um, this enterprise, if you will, of the Saturday Night Slasher that have delayed us. I... By my timeline, we should have been long done with this. <laughs> Just to be perfectly honest, um, but there were things we like we should have been onto the Sunday and Monday slashers <laughs> by now. No, the first book should have well been done, and it, and had there been a sequel, had I thought that we could successfully do a sequel, we would already be into that. And um, unfortunately, there were a lot of stumbles that happened in our lives. Like I lost my job and went back to school for a little bit and focused on that. And, um, there were things that happened in Ryan's life. There were things that popped up and then changes were made where, you know, it was like, well, let's just screw it. Do it. You know, we have enough for a first issue. Let's get that out there. And we spent the last year trying to get that into people's hands. So it's interesting, you know, when we had, um, our guest on um, from uh, Bleed Leaders, um, you know, I had mentioned to him, I was like, uh, you know, where's issue two? Because it's the first thing everybody asks me, and it's yeah. like, oh god, it was such a such a challenge just getting that to you. Like, I promise two's coming at some point, but it's not going to be in a timely manner. Um, and it's it it's it's passion if you're not passionate about it and you're just thinking that you've got some million dollar idea really reevaluate that maybe you do have a million dollar idea but if you don't have the passion to drive it and just because the means to do it is available to you just because it's easy now to put these things out into the world doesn't exactly mean that you're going to have a slam dunk either yeah so all right um just the question though in terms of like when you got your books published and they were sent to you, was there a sense of just like, this is a real thing I'm holding in my hands now. This is the thing that I've made. So growing up reading comics, was did you feel that moment of this like, holy shit, I have a comic I made right in front of me. Yeah, and I just want to say real quick, I apologize. I completely blanked on Justin's name when I was talking about Bleed Leaders. Justin Stewart, amazing guy, great artist. Go read Bleed Leaders. Um, but uh, yeah, there there was a sense of that, but there was also all I could see was mistakes. <laughs> well, um, I mean, but honestly, that's that. Okay, remember I said you're going to make mistakes and get used to it. I had my wife read it. I read it. My and Ryan, my partner Ryan, read it. The, when we had the uh, Abominations of Science published, at the very top it says uh, something along the lines of uh, amazing first issue or something like that. 
First is misspelled. <laughs> All three of us missed it. And when somebody pointed it out to me, and it had been out for, I don't know, amazing like a month fr- or something. Amazing first issue. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go kill myself. <laughs> like, I was so just crestfallen. Yeah. So anytime I get something done, the first thing I do is, is like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is great that it's, it's here. Uh, what did I screw up? That's my first place well, that I go. If, if it means anything, when I was coming up with uh, <coughs> the cover art for the podcast, for Invasion of the Podcast, when we were first putting it together, the, the name was inspired by Attack of the Show, which was the E3 show, which I don't, not E3, um, G4 was the channel, sorry. E3 is the conference. I don't know if you ever saw Attack of the Show. Um, yeah, uh, briefly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think had G4. Olivia, had Olivia Munn, and yeah, G4 was kind of like. I think it, it it died somewhere around the time that I we had cable. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it was kind of inspired by that, but we were calling this the Invasion of the Podcast because Invasion of the Pod people, oh, that'd be fun. The first cover art I made, and I think I might even still have it uh, somewhere, it says Attack of the Podcast. <laughs> I was about to, and I put it, I put it all together, and I showed my wife, and she's like, "That's not your name." I'm like, "God damn it!" Like so, like I was so excited for the font and everything. And so, just so if you look at the when you look at this podcast, you look down, you're like, "Oh, Invasion." It's like just imagine the word Attack. That's exactly what it said. I'm like, but that's not the name of our show. So yeah, I understand. Um, I was too busy looking at the color and the font to not pay attention to the words I typed. So I can relate to that completely. So all right, uh, so as we. You to wrap up on this part of the conversation there's a an article i found here uh, i just i just like um they're like uh what was it not the podcast secret weapon you know just talk for a while you're a podcaster uh this is this article is like someone wrote holy publishing power how to self-publish a comic book and it's the, here, here's the things it tells us to do determine how you plan to tell your story that seems like a good idea um, <laughs> yeah. sweat the small stuff like it says basically like figure out your page count yeah that also seems important decide on format You've talked about that already, uh, but then they uh, they they talk about their ways to set, set, uh, raise money. It's like crowdfunding, gather patrons. You know, it's like oh well, that seems easy. Just gather people that want to give you money. That seems fair enough, right? And then it says after your comic book successfully self published, once you self publish your comic book, it's time to don yourself uh, self promotion superhero cape. Spread the world social media and see if there are any venues where you can promote your work and start thinking about the next adventure for your hero or heroine. I like the idea of just like, hey, you have an idea. How many pages is it? People should give you money. And then you did it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's just, this is one of those articles where it's like, oh, how, how to self-publish a comic book. Or it should read, this This article doesn't actually say anything except common sense, common sense, common sense. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I've been like, yeah, I want to self-publish a comic. It's You're like, going- well, how, how many pages is it? Three. I mean, it's not really wrong, but, you know, I just figured, you know, why not? It's a good story. It's three pages. You're going to a restaurant. You may want to make sure that you have enough money to buy the food you want to order. You may want to ask yourself, is this food that I will enjoy? Um, is this food you can eat with your mouth hole? If you cannot <laughs> eat it with your mouth like, And then once you've eaten your food, put on your superhero cape and run around until you fall asleep or go to the bathroom. I don't know. Like, it's just... <laughs> like, a lot of the stuff just seems so, like, obvious, but... I, I don't just buzz the same thing as like podcast, a secret weapon, you know, whatever. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah, I just, I like, obviously this is going to be an evolving conversation. I know you're working on issue two of the science slasher. Mm-hmm. Like though you've had the first issue out for a while yeah. and I know that you have told me like you've kind of made some, some changes behind the scenes about how you're going to approach the next few issues. Uh, what did you learn from that first issue that you're bringing into the second issue? Um, let's see here. Um, this is a very specific thing. Okay. Um, and it's not even so much the issue as it is 
uh, learning about printing and uh, how you color things. But uh, when you uh, color anything uh, in uh, Photoshop, whether it's w- whether or not it's in uh, RGB format or CMYK, you still need to look at the CMYK colors, uh, or how do I how do I put this? The channels for those colors. Because if you color something with anything that is over thirty percent K, which is your your black value, okay, it'll muddy in in when it's printed. Okay, um, and that is something that I am still struggling with because I'll randomly grab colors and be like, "Ah, oh, that looks great," and then I'll get it printed and I'm like, "Oh God, that looks awful," because <laughs> it's it's you know like it it seems like K value maybe the K is a fifty four and it's like. Oh, that's why it doesn't look good. Because printing process, while there are a lot of great printers out there, and actually the company that we have this internet slasher printed through, um, which is uh, um, Greco Comics out of Michigan, look them up. Uh, I think it's uh, they have a, a, a another company name that's like the head of the company, but their comic division is called Greco Printing. Okay. I would say if you're thinking about getting something printed, look look at them. But like, even though they do a phenomenal job, if 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 something is that dark, it it will just muddy on the page. Um, so that's that's something that I've learned and still fight with. Um, but that was a discovery when I was trying to get prints made. Um, there's a piece that Ryan did that uh, I I colored at one point, and I threw out all the prints because the slasher shirt is too dark and it just, it looks like he's just all gray uh, all the way down. And it's like, Oh, that doesn't work at all. Um, and it lost a lot of the detail of Ryan's inking on it. So, um, that's something, um, I also learned that, uh, um, it's something that I'm constantly learning, but, uh, I, I tend to think of myself as like this great wordsmith, and when I, I find that once I whittle things down and get to the central ideas, um, I'm uh, better for it. So I try not to overwrite. Um, and that's something that I'm keeping in mind for the second issue. Um, there's a very um, important scene that happens towards the end of the first issue. And it's where we learn the most about uh, the character of Julie, who's our protagonist. Um, and I had that so built up in my head as this, you know, wonderful conversation and it still reads well on the page, but all I look at it now is like, Jesus, this is so damn wordy. Like, why, <laughs> why did I do this? Um, and it, I really think it was unfair to Ryan too, because it's like, here, squeeze nine panels of people talking and, uh, it just, it, it's something that I have to constantly be aware of is that you might think you're clever and you might have some good ideas in there, but like brevity is and again i even try to keep it in mind when we're talking but brevity is a problem for me so i need to keep that in mind so. I, no i think that's the, the, there's value there absolutely i mean don't don't take my word for it we're, we've been putting out two hour podcasts a pretty decent clip <laughs> recently so who knows i have a feeling this one's going to come in a little little under that so um but yeah uh, um yeah normally this is why i'd be like oh we should uh you know like promote stuff because and this is when we pivot into the slasher but just promote that real quick and then we'll promote the show and then we'll go into our worst game ever i did want to just yeah. say just one more thing if you're somebody who's particularly looking to publish a comic there are some things that you should consider if you're an artist already and you have not looked at either will eisner's uh comics and sequential art 
uh, book. It's basically sort of like a guide to how to visually tell a story. Uh, buy that book. Um, if you are somebody who hasn't read Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics, probably one of the most important books I've ever read on making comics. And it's not like, oh, here's how you draw somebody in perspective. It's none of that. It's all about the stuff that happens within the comic and how it tells a story. Um, and it breaks it down from different genres, different uh, styles. Um, it's probably one of the best books that I've, like I said, that I've ever read on, on making comics. Uh, and then lastly, if you're somebody who wants to do that mini comic that I was talking about, it's inexpensive to do. Still, it's going to cost you some money, but it's kind of a homemade way to make something cheap on the cheap that you can give out to people or even sell at conventions. Um, there was an issue of, an, some of you may remember Wizard Magazine, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the now defunct uh, magazine, but still runs conventions. Uh, they had an offshoot uh, magazine that I think it was a quarterly called um, Wizard Edge. Um, and in 2002, they printed a um, whole section on how to make comics. And there's a tutorial by Jim Mafood on there that explains that entire process. Go on eBay. It's a couple of bucks to buy the issue. Uh, or I tried to find it online so I could direct people. If you really want it that badly and you need you want to know it, contact me and I'll, I'll figure out a way to scan it and send it to you. Um, but it's maybe only like four or eight pages of the magazine, but it's very good information. Um, so I would highly recommend that. Look it up. It's got uh, a Frank Cho cover of uh, Liberty Meadows character Brandy and Silent Bob. And uh, it's called Wizard's Edge or just Wizard Edge. Uh, it's from 2002. Once you see the cover, you're probably going to see it. Or you could look up Wizard's Edge, Jim Food, and I think that'll come up under the image search. Oh, so perfect. So all right. So now, now um, tell people about the comic that you do. I don't know if they're familiar or not. Alrighty. So the Abominations of Science is available. Oh, um, yeah, the Misfits <laughs> of Science. <laughs> now, actually, uh, if you are interested and want to see uh, the first half of that first issue of the Abominations of Science, we put it up on Comicsology years ago. Yeah, it's available. I think for ninety nine cents if you want to buy yeah, it. That's how I read it. Um, but. Uh, you can go to the com to find out when the next issue is coming out. You can also read everything that's available on there for free up till now. Uh, head to Art of the Slash because, hey, who doesn't want to buy stuff from me? Um, and that's our Etsy store, and you can buy stuff there. Yeah, it has cool buttons. There's stickers. There's the comics. There's know. the comics, yeah. yeah. And uh, looking to be putting some more stuff up there. I've got some sketch cards and things that uh, I've been holding off on putting up there. But since I don't have a convention coming up relatively soon i figure i'll put those up there and see if they sell before the convention perfect all right so uh yeah let's go do it for this conversation about steve and the art of making comics and selling them for a million dollars so uh you can find us uh invasion of the podcast not attack of the podcast invasion of the podcast on facebook uh we have a website invasion of the podcast.com where it is a link to our blog where we're still going through our year of canon uh i have my american ninja post up with some amazing ninja magic and ninja skill gifts and videos up there um um, yeah, you you will believe a tire iron can be used as a throwing weapon, like a ninja star, kinda. It's big and heavy. You believe a man can throw a screwdriver right into somebody's chest? Yeah, right. So check us out there. Um, and I know I'm I'm a blog post behind for the year. I will figure that out eventually. Um, yeah, it's it, who'd have thought setting out to to watch all these uh, films that were not financially successful the, all the time would be hard to find sometimes to watch. Who'd have thought? <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So. 
Uh, yeah, you can also find us. I mean, you're already listening to us, so you can, wherever, wherever you're getting your podcasts, please rate and review us. Um, we're available on Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, uh, Podbean, uh, Podcatcher, Satchel, you know, supermarkets, I don't know, uh, wherever you find your podcasts. Like, are we in the fresh podcast aisle? Maybe, you know, like maybe we're not past the expiration date. Maybe maybe you'll buy us when we're green and then turn around we'll be all yellow and spotty. You'll throw us out before you give, give us a chance. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. But anyway. Uh, that's how you can find us and things. And let's move on to our game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> when is the best time to eat a banana? Because anytime I buy a bunch of bananas, like they're always like slightly green. And I'm like, I don't want them right now because it seems weird. And then I turn around, they're dead. I, I like them more brown than, than yellow. Like, okay. I'm not saying that they have to be all brown because then they're just mushy. But like, uh, when they're like covered in in brown spots, that's when they're like prime eating for me. See, that's when I start to get worried about them, and I know yeah. that's probably not right. I think that's when they're ripe, like because I know like because I, I think that that's when they're ripening, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, no, I can't I, eat green bananas. I think no, they're, they're disgusting. No, that's too um, no. But like my wife doesn't eat bananas, so there's always that constant pressure of like if I buy bananas, I got to make sure that I eat all of them. Yeah, because otherwise going to help yeah, me out with that. That's true. So yeah. Anyway, that's uh, the same thing with podcasts here. Like we got to wait till they get a little uh, yellow and spotty, and then you're like, oh, that's good now. It's all mushy in the middle. <laughs> I've been all mushy in the middle for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so our game today um, was a simple quest to see uh, if Paul could could tell whether or not this was a real uh holiday isn't the right word but a so like a lot of months will there's like national breast cancer awareness month there's national um like you know, black history month there's blast, like, like yeah. so every month has like designations or they have like they have like they're like i have a like you we've done games on the show before because uh oh i don't know like uh national donut day or something right yeah. so like every month has all these random stuff so for you to you're you're gonna ask me if this is a real thing or a fake thing uh in the month of july and i think this is this is funny just because it feels like every day now has a day yeah. Of something. Well, this is what's funny is is this isn't even a specific day. This is all like actual months. Like, okay. And this is all for July. Wow. So some of these are fake that I made up, but these and I I did not verify them all, but they're from a website called checkaday.com. I I I don't know. Some of these are really really far out and I think you'll have a hard time telling what's real and what's okay, fake. Let's do it. All righty. So this is just for the month of July is is July National Hangnail Awareness Month? Yes. Okay. It's actually fake. No. But uh, I think people need to be wearing hangnails. They suck. <laughs> they too. They're they're literally like uh, the worst. I could you know um, fall and hurt myself, but it's not nearly as bad sometimes as if I have a hangnail. Yeah. Um. Next one here uh, is is July National Anti Boredom Month? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Supposed to be going outside doing stuff. Yeah, uh, but I just National Anti Boredom Month. Who came up with that name? Well, like, then, then what is National Boredom Month? <laughs> I believe that's is all like January. The, that's it, yeah, it's all the winter months. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, next one here: National Doghouse Repairs Month. No, that's a fake one. That's real. Oh shit! And again, I did not vet these. I did not actually investigate them, but they are listed on the site. So I don't know if it's a Wikipedia type thing that maybe people were like. I, I just don't know if that was a good intentions or something really bad happened where they're like, hey, guys, 
the Smudge Scout. <laughs> National uh, Doghouse Repairs Month. Um, <laughs> which is funny because, like, my wife's like, uh, uh, she's like, are we going to have a doghouse for the dog? I'm like, yeah, our house. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> Dogzilla lives here. Yeah. Uh, next one is uh, Porcelain Doll Collector Month. That sounds real. That one's faith. Fake. I'm doing really well on this. Yeah. But it sounds it sounds real though, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, sure. I mean Annabelle, the new Annabelle movie is coming out or it just came out? I think it came out. Yeah, so that came out in July, right? So that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh is is July fried food safety month? With all the state fairs, yes. That's fake. I made oh, that one. Damn up. it. Okay. <laughs> How about is July air conditioning appreciation days? Yes. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder why is I sitting here <laughs> dying. I just like how it's air conditioning appreciation days. Like it doesn't take much to appreciate air no, conditioning. No, and we have we have a wall unit in our bedroom, so I will appreciate it this evening. <laughs> uh is July National Wall Month I'm sorry. National, National Wall Month. <laughs> National Mall Walking Month. Um no. Yeah, that's fake. Okay. I made that up. Uh <laughs> Next Only one. in the Star Court. Is July Euchre Enthusiasm Month? Yes. That's fake. So, wait, you you meant to, not to drag the show on further, but you, we talk, I just mentioned Star Court. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about Stranger Things last week. You said that you had gotten a case of New Coke the day after we recorded. Well, by a case, I mean two cans. Okay. So, yeah. how, how was New Coke? Uh, it was exactly how I remembered it. Yeah, oddly enough, I, I remember thinking very much when it came out that it tasted exactly like Pepsi. And as soon as I opened it, I was like, it tastes like Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's my memory of what Pepsi tasted like in the 80s. I don't think Pepsi's changed their formula in 30 years. So, no, I don't think uh, so. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, I, I still have another can in the fridge. I'll probably drink that at some point or put it up on eBay in five years. <laughs> Alrighty. So, uh, next one here is, uh, and this one's weird to me uh, Hitchhiking Month. Not like National Hitchhiking Month or Hitchhiking Where Just Hitchhiking Month. Just hitchhiking just, month. Um, that's real. Yeah, it's real. So I don't know if they're because advocating. Because you, you said it's weird to me. So I'm like, it, yeah. would, it would be weird if you made that one up. <laughs> this one's weird to me. What do you think of it? Yeah. I just, I don't understand. Are they advocating for Hitchhiking Month? It's like, are get they, out there and hitchhike, or folks. Or are they rising awareness of uh, uh, Rucker Hauer? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about this? Is July National Booty Call Month? <laughs> No. It's not. I made that one up. But it no. sounds right, right, though, right? Yeah, it does. Uh-oh, screen just went out. Are we still oh, recording? No, no, we're still recording. Oh. Uh, my computer went for a booty call. No, I just... Uh, new computer. I got to change some of the settings. So <laughs> it was getting bored with, with us. So, I, so it's, we're still good. Yes. That's fair. Uh, is July Lasagna Awareness Month? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's real. But again, oh, I don't understand what they're. What are they advocating for? Look, like, just, like you, you be aware never that know. lasagna yeah. exists. Like, just are you aware of lasagna? Yes. Are you aware that lasagna is <laughs> around the corner, staring at you right now? Are you aware that lasagna killed your aunt? Like, what does that even mean? Like, are you aware that Garfield's favorite food is lasagna? Yeah, and uh, just don't eat it on a Monday because then you won't be very happy about it. Um, this next one here really just. It makes me laugh, so I'll let you decide if it's real or not. <laughs> is July unlucky month for weddings? Yes. Yeah, that's real. Which I'm just like, who made that a holiday or a a statement? I guess I probably just because of the temperature and like everything. It's probably one of those things where everybody's just stressed. Yeah, it might just be you know. But getting married stressful anyway. Like no matter what month it is. That, that's fair. Yeah. Um. Alrighty. So is. <laughs> 
Is July John Wayne Remembrance Month? <laughs> yes. That one's fake. I made that no. one up. But I was just like, it sounds real. Yeah. It, it feels like there should be a John Wayne Remembrance Month. Maybe a day, but... <laughs> Um, uh, just you know, we, the South you, can close you, the schools. You, you, I think he's. I don't think he's from the South. I think he's from like California or some shit. I, but oh, well, uh, but yeah, you just remember that time he punched a horse, which is probably not true. But then we can remember that time he made some really uncomfortable racist statements to was, Playboy in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> or him playing a racist in the Searchers, and he's still kind of the hero in that film. Whatever. <laughs> I brought up an uncomfortable subject. On to the next one. Uh, I talked about uh, bedbugs earlier uh, penetrating queens to death with their bedbug parts. So. <laughs> uh, we've got two more to go. Is uh, is July Juvenile Arthritis Awareness Month? Yes. Yeah, that's real. I didn't even know juvenile arthritis existed. Well, it's from all the tech decks. Remember the kids using the finger skateboards? I'm sure that's what happened. You know, they just old little finger skateboards. They probably but arthritis have. is like... Y- y- it's not like you just can get arthritis from activity. That's like yeah. I also maybe pogs. I don't know. I don't know what it caused that. <laughs> All the the kids, young, the younger kids playing marbles. Yeah, I, I guess just, so. You know. But yeah, I just thought that was an odd one. And the the last one here is particularly tailored towards you. Is this real? Cell phone courtesy month. Yes. Yeah, it's real. So be an asshole the other 11 months of the year, but apparently in July you should be courteous on your cell phone. What's that even mean? Like not like text and drive, not uh, talk in the theater, uh, not take your phone out during a concert and block everybody else's view. Like what's that mean? Like all yeah. of that? All that plus uh, um, if you are the idiot in the store who's in line at the cashiers and uh, yapping on your phone the whole time, I am legally allowed to smack you. <sighs> yeah, I just like Thanos, please snap your fingers right now. Like, <laughs> like, th- there is a corner on the floor on which I work at my office where it's near the elevators, but it's across from the elevators near a potted plant that I think is the like domestic um, just disagreement spot on the floor to be on your phone talking to somebody because I've walked by people like twice and it's like you could tell like they're having serious conversations but they're trying to keep their voice down but they're not and it's yeah. just like oh something uncomfortable is happening I'm glad I'm getting out of this elevator I guess I'll just keep walking <laughs> yeah so yeah no so for being our worst game that wasn't the worst game so um, but anyway did it happen in July it, maybe it did I was maybe I'll do this every month maybe yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> The, the, it's like, hey guys, it's the time again. You know, so it's October is it National Halloween? Speaking month? Of, of things that happen monthly that you guys are probably frustrated with, next episode is our year of canon, uh, and we're going to continue with 1985's Runaway Train that has Eric Roberts, Rebecca De Mornay, um, John Voight, uh, a really young Danny Trejo that looks like an old Danny Trejo, but not as old as old Danny Trejo. He's in it for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen this film. Steve is not. Uh, I, this will be like. I'm not saying this is a perfect film, but this is going to be the, like, I think this might be the most serious of the films that we will watch. It's going for. to be a step up from, say, American Ninja. Yeah. Um, like, it's it's a cool movie. And it has, and there, there's some stuff that goes on in this film in terms of, like, this uh, runaway train that you're like, how did they do it? So, my understanding is, is this is the movie that people are like, I can't believe Canon was involved with it. 
Yeah, I mean, you'll see. It's usually people are like, yeah, I can believe that's a canon film. Um, and, and we'll get more into like the history of it a little bit because I think the director was like an established, like known, like good, like filmmaker. Uh, some of that's leaving my brain right now because we've been talking and sweating for two hours. But I think they talked about a little bit of Electric Boogaloo about yeah. how like this was legitimate. I know there's some talk of it in the book I was reading about canon, but yeah, this will be the one we're gonna talk about. This might be the high water mark in terms of like you know quality film that we're going to see and not just a riff on you know indiana jones or there's no there's no bronson in it there's no norris in it there is john voight in it so take that with a great assault uh are women treated well in this movie probably not but you know whatever anyway <laughs> 1985's runaway train that's what we're going to do next week have a great week everybody um stay cool on the inside have some have some air condition air conditioning appreciation days this yes, weekend because it's supposed to be in the 90s plus here in cleveland so mm-hmm. Um, if, if we don't melt and just, you know, blob away like, uh, like some rats and stranger things, we'll be back next week to talk about runaway train. Yeah. Have a great week and pay your artists.